All right, well, welcome to Empires of the Future. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, Jackson, I thought we were going to have to do this over Zoom. Well, you know, and maybe we will in the future, given that we seem to be uh, extending the lockdown. Yeah, to like, I think, what, April? April, yeah, all of April now. Yeah, and I'll, so we, at church, here with Fellowship Church, uh, we, uh, we, we filmed our Sunday service on Saturday, right? Okay. And we do like a liturgical style, so we do like a benediction at the end, like an encouraging word at the end, yeah. right? And most churches do something similar. Yeah. And we did it on, we filmed it, right? Uh-huh. Well, we totally botched the six feet rule. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So me, Denton, and Robert, who are the three kind of pastors, elders at our church, literally stood right next to each other. And and I, my wife was like, you know, you kind of broke the six feet rule. I'm like, I know, I totally forgot mm. who we did that way the week before. Before, before they were, we were they were really pushing the six feet thing. Yeah. And I t- we totally watched it. Yeah. And we made it public. <laughs> you know, and, and that's been, here, you're in good company. I've heard people talking about these press conferences we're getting with the president okay. and everybody, and they're just all right next to yeah. each other. And so this is the, the thing. I mean, there are so many things happening in our life where, okay, a camera itself means you need to be close up. Ever since I realized that what's going on in most dramas uh, and TV shows is that you've become accustomed to seeing people be like really close when they talk, but those people are uncomfortably close. It's just that because it's purposeful, because the camera angle has to do that, uh, to have people that close, you become used to it. But I mean, every time now when I watch like Star Trek The Next Generation, I am so thrown off. Like I've trained my mind to notice it and I'm like, man, Picard and Riker are way personal space right now <laughs> and everybody is i mean all kinds of shows they're just it's not just husbands and wives who are super close everybody is because of the nature of filming and since yeah. you know I mean, we're seeing that still everybody's still trying to film and they constantly forget it's very difficult actually to stay six feet away from right. people when you're interacting with a natural measure just like let me measure me that's right before we maybe we should interact. maybe we should all have a tape measure yeah, walking around like hey you there <laughs> uh, well, before we get into some of the media, you mentioned Star Trek. Yes. And since you are a Star Trek Next Generation fan, the yes. biggest that I know, and I don't hang out around a bunch of Star Trek fans, sure. but uh, they came out with a new show on CBS uh-huh. called Picard, which they announced just recently that you don't have to have a streaming membership with CBS. I don't know. Is it called CBS Now? So it's called CBS All Access. All Access. Mm-hmm. But they're allowing people to watch Picard for free. I did not know that. Oh, well, well, that's a big I'm, deal. So this is a positive thing. It's going to be a theme. Okay. The positive. Yes. Of the world today. Yes. You know, in the midst of the coronavirus. Yes. One of the bright spots is Star Trek fans. You can watch Picard without being a CBS. All access. And, and you are a bright spot for me today because I have watched only the first episode because I was told uh, a while back I saw that they were letting people watch the first episode for free. Uh, it was pretty good um, from you know somebody who really cares about the, the source material. Um, they rushed some things. First episodes are hard to do. You're oh, trying to bring people up to speed real quick. Um, and so I was okay with it. I'm, I'm getting, uh, I've seen here and there like, 
Star Trek is supposed to be bright, like the future is, we're going to figure this stuff out. And it seems pretty dystopian. It seems like a lot of things are going wrong. And a lot of people are unhappy about that because, you know, Star Trek is supposed to make you feel good about the future. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. I will have to watch it, and I'll tell you what I think. And I feel that if you're not a sports guy that much, you kind of have to be a Star Trek guy or a Star Wars guy. It's, it seems like that's the way it works. Well, you know, I'm going to admit this on camera, and it will be published that I, uh, for the second time, Mm-hmm. I read a full Star Wars novel. Really? So the first one I read was Darth Pelagius. Okay. Well, I guess it's like a legend. No, wait, wait. Darth Plagueis? Plagueis. Because Pelagius was a, a, yeah. a heretic yeah. <laughs> in history, in real history. Well, I'm just gonna, yeah. Plagueis, is, Plagueis. It was yeah. the uh, Sith Lord who was over... Um, odd sci-fi name. He was over Palpatine. That's the guy who supposedly drained Palpatine. So they have have another one. I'm not sure if it's written by the same person, but it's the same kind of like series maybe. Uh Uh, One on Darth Maul. Okay, yeah. So... uh, And you're into those, huh? I don't... I mean, I'll be honest. I read it and it was like 215 pages. It took me like two days to read it. Yeah. And I kind of got bored with it. Well... Yeah. You know, I mean, it's certainly pulp fiction. It's not not a lot of meaningful stuff happening in there, no, so that's mostly fine. Mostly training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, like what is what is it like to become an it's evil horrible. Sith Lord? Right? <laughs> it turns out it it's really terrible. Horrible. Huh? <laughs> it's like yeah, torturous. <laughs> I would have given up. Who would have thought? Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, that's good, Matt. Actually, so what, yeah, <laughs> I'm what glad. Advantage, you know. <laughs> To get to be a great Sith Lord, you have to just be pissed off all the time. <laughs> Turns out, but, but it's, you know, you have to be for, pissed off, right? Someone right. Has to piss you off, right? Yeah. So. You know, I think you know. It, it, since you mentioned Pelagius, I, I'm thankful that Martin Luther turned out, you know, okay, because man, he put himself through some pretty difficult <laughs> circumstances. He could have turned out a Sith Lord. That's right. <laughs> but instead, people were just pissing him off all the time. I mean, he was, yeah. He the devil. Yeah, the I mean, devil. this is the guy. If you have never read <laughs> like limit. quotes from Martin Luther, where he's like, "Listen, if you can't ward off the devil by prayer, then you just need to like ridicule and mock him yeah. because he can't stand that." That's hilarious. Like, how do you know this? You know, but this is a real Martin Luther quote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not dove deep into the Martin Luther quotes, but no, me I, I heard that you know it's a quite humorous. Endeavor. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, good sense of humor. Yeah, he's Which he's a Germans, round character Germans for sure. Aren't known for their sense of humor. You don't. I don't think I know of any famous German comedians. So That's right. Jews yeah, are great. Canadians are great. Americans right. are great. Right. Uh, English are great, but not so much the Germans and the comedic. Yeah, um, I um. Bad guys. It makes you so wonder. Yeah, it makes you wonder if at some point that kind of uh, element in kind of German culture sort of lost its tie yeah. uh, to to kind of reality. Every culture can produce uh, certain sorts of people. I mean, this is the answer to the mystery of why, you know, look, this is a stereotype, but if you look at the Internet, it's true. Like, Asian people, Korean, Japanese... Uh, a lot of Asian people are so tuned into discipline and rote memorization. The fact that, look, if you want to become an amazing musician, sit down with a guitar and practice the same piece for seven hours and boom. 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, as Americans, like, ah, you know, you got like, is there a quick way through that? <laughs> you got any shortcut to being amazing yeah. at uh, the piano? <laughs> well, there's a, if you watch a lot of YouTube, which everyone is, right, watching YouTube yes. videos, uh, there's the constant advertisement for the piano app. Oh, sure. Which I feel like going to what we're going to be talking about, uh, well, maybe next week we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of technology really being used for entertainment and mm-hmm. just simply communication, but you know, the, the need for the app to teach me how to play piano in a month. Yeah, right. I would be like Mozart in a month. Yes. If you can't do that, I'm deleting the, the app or membership of, say, Oh, man. App. And I'm thankful for musical instruments to for their capacity to humble you. Because yeah. as a guy who bought some of these books that said, like, teach yourself to play the piano in 30 minutes a day. Listen, after 10 years of trying to play the piano... I finally was able to hammer into my mind like how to kind of basic chord at a piano, which is where I'm at still today. I, try, I started trying to play the piano when I was like 21, and I am almost 40, and off and on it did take me probably 15 years to where I could just kind of like, I can chord about five different keys at the piano. Thankfully, we're mostly using keyboards now, and you can make it change the key, and you don't have to learn how to play in all 12 key signatures, which is just... Okay, listen, because this is the thing about the piano. I mean, like, there's a reason all your random college guys are learning to play the guitar. It is way easier, my friend. The piano requires next-level processing uh, in terms of uh, your ten fingers can be doing a whole bunch of things that guitar's a little simpler. Yeah, there's always an instrument that's harder, right? It's just like... I'll play a piano. Well, that's harder than the guitar. And then someone's like, well, I play the violin. Like, okay, that's probably harder than the piano. Then someone comes around, like, oh, I play the harp. Like, well, that's probably harder than the violin. <laughs> now you're, going, you're lying. Nobody plays the harp. Yeah, <laughs> it's always a harder instrument. No, those are great because it's kind of like there's certain instruments where it's like, but is that really worthwhile? And I'm, I'm into those people because they're like, now nah, nobody's really into it that much, but I just, you know, I, I learned to play the juice harp. And I just right. walk around, boing, boing. And it's like, okay, man, that's your thing. Then you do it. You go to town. So we, we want to talk about, and I kind of felt this way this morning as well, it's just uh, reading the newspaper and just kind of like, I am sick and tired of reading about coronavirus. Yep, yep, stuff. yep I think yep. I've reached that limit where mm-hmm. you're just kind of on information overload and you're just like, I can't take another, mm-hmm. you know, this is how we're going to be able to stop this or this is when we're going to be able to stop this or uh, here's another uh, country that's dealing with it. And um, I mean, we found out last week that Boris Johnson, the prime minister of England, has coronavirus. I mean, so uh, no one's immune. It's it's affected the poor and the rich, the powerful and the weak. And um, it was an interesting uh, mm-hmm. de- development and conversation that we're not going to talk about per se today. But we want to talk about some of the maybe potential positives that may come out of this. And I am not as much into the video game, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't actually like Ready Player One all that much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but there is a, uh, on the horizon or kind of slowly building is this virtual reality type right. world. And, uh, this was an article by the Atlantic by Monica Kim. And I know I sent it to you. What were your kind of first thoughts when you read it? Even the idea of this virtual reality type world that may be everywhere. Yeah. So one thing about this, uh, if you are not kind of very versed in what video games can and can't do for you and what the experience is like to um, kind of lose yourself in that world, mm-hmm. 
then then this is kind of one thing to you. Like, um, as far as, I, I read quotes in here that were really insightful, and then I read quotes that were really foolish as far as just like, well, look, if you think that you're going to get in this world and kind of go, oh, I'm getting everything that I got out of the real world. No, even if the graphics get better, uh, there are longings that are beyond that. But the strangest experience about video games is, uh, and, and in virtual reality, all the efforts that have been made over the last, say, 30, 40 years, there have been like popular efforts made at saying to people, hey, hey, we're there. I mean, I remember when the Nintendo Virtual Boy came out in the early 90s, which is this super weird contraption. You stick it on your face, and you always have had this idea that what's going to happen when you do that is like, man, I'm in another world. Well, let me tell you what happened when you put on the Virtual Boy. Nothing but red lines. It had one color, so you're looking at just like red wireframes of, say, like Mario playing tennis. And it's like, well, this is not what I had in mind at all. And that's been the experience so far. And yes, it seems that we are sometime here in the near future going to get into much better graphics. Uh, they have to still solve these problems. A lot of people get sick when they're putting on headsets, even if the headsets are really good. A lot of these headsets are uncomfortable. These are some of the basic issues that you still have. But what are the benefits to be gained from virtual reality, from living in another world. Now, here's the thing. The toughest thing about all this technology is we've, we've already done it because, uh, in, in a lot of ways, because, say, for instance, when you know that somebody has died playing World of Warcraft, and not just, like, they, were, they weren't locked in a room, yeah. they just kept playing, and they were like, yeah, I'm into this. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to drink. And they literally died of dehydration and malnutrition in front of a computer screen. Okay, es extreme escapism has already begun, folks. Yeah, yeah. Now, the lure is what we're talking about. The lure of that extreme escapism is on the rise. And what does that mean? That's the big question. Mm -hmm. um, so we're already there. We've been there. This is the thing about all this, is the experiments have already been going on, and we all know people who are spending 10, 12 hours a day playing Fortnite. Right. Uh, okay, they're doing it. it. It doesn't make a big difference that they don't have a helmet on right. while they're doing it. Right. We can just judge this and go, the immersive, captivating experience that a lot of people are already experiencing is growing. Uh, what do we expect is going to come of that? Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, there's always positive things that come out with new technology, and there's always negative things, yep. right? And I, I think it mentions this a little bit, but... I mean, obviously, if you're going to have people um, kind of escaping into these virtual reality worlds, mm -hmm. I mean, pornography especially is going to then lead into that. Yep. Where people are going to use it for, you know, uh, ro either romantic or they're going to try to like, basically have a relationship with a with another with a you know either someone from the opposite sex um, virtually. Yeah. Right, it's going to be completely virtual. It, it can be like someone from two different countries falling in love, but never actually being in the same place at once. Yeah, you know that's that's I don't know that's that's probably not a good thing. You can't have a I don't know. It seems like you can't have an actual physical, uh, positive and beneficial relationship long term in a virtual world. 
Right. And so here's my kind of first argument on what I think we're already seeing and how any of this technology is only going to pick up where that leaves off. What we're already seeing is like, hey, are you a person who likes conversations? Well, then put out a word on Facebook and people will just pick it up and right. say something back to right, you. Right. It is the atomization of all communication. We'll pick out one, one part of it and then we'll abstract it out and then go, hey, do you like emojis? Then use Instagram. Everything has to have a picture. Yay. Yay. If you like whatever yeah, you like, right, right. then you can get that element. Right. But here's the question. Do you want that abstracted from everything else? Do you want it separated? And, and I, I look at this and I kind of go, okay, but isn't by definition then the end game put it all back together and have a real life relationship where you not only look at another human being, right. you talk to them, right. you touch them, right. you share emotions with them. Right. And it's kind of like, I, I, I do, my, like one weird hopeful side of me is like, we'll have this ridiculous atomization for about the next 30 years. And then like 2050, everybody kind of goes, you know what? What if we could have real relationships? Um, and, and which is one of the weird things about Ready Player One, how, I mean, the, the movie, I haven't read the book, uh, but the movie very much kind of by the end is like, yeah, we've introduced some heavy ideas. Turns out, though, all we need to do is say that we don't get on the internet on Tuesdays and Saturdays, <laughs> and we yeah. solved it. Good and this is kind of like, well, I, I'm a, I, it's a, probably a little bit more complicated <laughs> than that. <laughs> that was Government restriction, right, always the, the answer. I mean, that was the payoff that I kind of went, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a thought experiment that didn't go very far, yeah. um, and one that needs to go far, because we, we need to have answers to these questions. Um, and we're not terribly far away from it. Now here, um, so one thing to be said is, okay, so f first, for instance, first of all, Ray Kurzweil in 2003 said, by the 2030s, virtual reality will be totally realistic and compelling, and we will spend most of our time in virtual environments. We will all become virtual humans. Now, I'm going to say uh, that seems quite Somewhat. possible. Yeah. Because... One of the things that um, people who are really skeptical about this needs to realize is that this technology has been really hard to make affordable, mm -hmm. comfortable, mm -hmm. and mass-producible right. um, because of the integration with our senses that's really difficult. Um, still today, the, the, there are products that are coming out today. They're very much more expensive than your typical consumer wants them to be. Say, uh, say a thousand to five thousand dollars for a virtual he virtual reality headset, and that's not kind of counting integration with whatever computer that you have. And then, by the way, you have to have software. You have to have games, and you're going to need to handle all the settings. So basically, the thing about it is. We are right now seem to be arriving at the point to where, okay, this is able to be used for a longer period of time, say an hour plus, mm -hmm. and you don't have headaches. A lot of these things right, give you sure. headaches. Sure. Now, not just because of the weight of the apparatus, but like your eyes have a really hard time focusing on something that um, they're, they're, our eyes were not made to be in one place only looking like we move yeah, around sure, sure. and we can use all of our senses in unison but these again abstract everything out right. and your eyes you'll get headaches because of your eyes um there'll be a lot of people get sick because uh the motion of like um skiing 
your, your body can't make sense of the fact that you are fully perceiving that you're skiing down a hill, yeah. but you're not moving. You're, and your body's trained to go like, well, then I ought to feel that with my ankles and, right. and adjust. Yeah, sure. And people just fall over. Yeah. I mean, so th- because their whole body is saying like, listen, you better watch out. That's a big yeah. hill you're about yeah. to run into. Yeah. And that they, they're still having a hard time coming over that, but they're getting close which means, yeah, I mean, we're 2020, and it seems very, very possible by 2030, if people want this, they can escape into a virtual world. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a scientist, nor do I play one on TV. I don't, you know, I don't know much about some of the tech, the tech, tech with this, but the thought of, I'm a, I love snow skiing, I like what you mentioned. Yeah. But I haven't been able to go this year because, right. number one, all the ski resorts are closed. But number two, we just had a newborn, mm-hmm. and so going out to Colorado or, you know, wherever to go skiing is not not available. If I could go out to my garage or my basement, wherever I have this apparatus hooked up, set up, and I can then go ski the greatest slopes in the Alps, perfect condition, uh, or Colorado, wherever, and ski um, for two hours, um, and it was somehow or I learned my body felt like I went skiing. Mm-hmm. Like that seems pretty cool. Mm-hmm. However, there is a sense of the anticipation of buying the ski tickets, mm-hmm. uh, getting in the car, getting in the plane, flying to those locations. Yeah, that is somewhat. There's an excitement to. Yep. There's an anticipation yep. that you're almost eliminating yep. completely. Yep. Uh, and I can say that for a lot of things of any type of trips. Like I love traveling. Yep. Um, and I don't care if I have to be on a plane for 15, 16 hours. I just enjoy the whole process of traveling to a new place. The journey there is a part of the fun, is a part of the experience, mm-hmm. eliminating that. So if I say, well, I can go to, I can go hike the Himalayan Mountains by just going into this virtual world. That sounds great, but the, the idea of actually going there and, right. and actually meeting Sherpas and doing that mm-hmm. seems far better. Yep. And yeah, it is more expensive. Um, it is something that only a few people probably could do body wise, but that whole anticipation of doing something like that and saving the money up and doing that is a part of the importance of being human. Right. And to eliminate that, I think is a, there's a, there's a great cost yep. that comes with that. Um, and so it'll be interesting. What will we lose by gaining? I think is an interesting thought of when it comes to virtual worlds and things like yeah, so uh, I saw one time, and a lot of people who were uh, in the gaming space saw this and immediately connected to it. There was um, one of those graphs with an X and Y axis, and on the X axis was fun in video games, and then the Y axis was fun in real life. So that certain things, say war, uh-huh. very fun in video games, not fun at all in real life. No. And people who saw this you immediately looked and you went, yeah, pretty much right. And you can, you can, you can guess for yourself. Uh, certain things are really fun in real life and not that well done in video games. And here's my thing, basically. I think that's still going to be true, even in vo- virtual reality. So, for instance, skiing. I think skiing is going to be more fun in real life. Other than Paoli? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, and, but I, I, skiing is to me, inevitably going to be about like 25, 75, meaning that eh, it's still pretty fun in a virtual world, but yeah. 75% of it you can't experience yeah. in, in a virtual right. world. Right. And 
uh, a lot of what is cool about skiing is navigating physical space in a way that your body is completely not used to doing, but that, by the way, is way faster, yeah. way kind of um, smoother, especially when yeah. you become accustomed to skiing. Yeah. The sorts of effort that you put forward just to then navigate a downhill, uh, it, I don't think, because um, again, one thing that, that virtual reality does not do that well is motion. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it simulates motion in a way that uh, something, again, like one of the challenges uh, uh, that you have with virtual reality is that it seems to be inevitable there's going to be some sort of like harness that you have to get up into right. because you have this fundamental problem. I mean, like, uh, so uh, uh, something that happens in virtual reality shooters that's a big problem is say you're in uh, a, some sort of fight, like you're, you're shooting at, at enemies uh, across the way. Well, guys will like duck behind a box. Well, then when they're ready to get up, they'll put their arm out to get up, and then they'll just fall, they'll fall because they'll lean on a box that's not there, right. and then they fall, and the movement is the whole problem uh, in, in a lot of these situations, and that's just going to be, if they just work on that problem alone, that's a very difficult problem to solve, yeah. and skiing is all about, I mean, in a lot of ways, movement is the entirety of what makes oh, yeah. skiing fun yeah. you know the cold makes it a little bit kind of refreshing sure. but mostly it's about teaching your body mm -hmm. to think completely differently about movement right. and it can become instinctive uh, or intuitive uh, and the basic problem with VR is it's not intuitive your body doesn't know what to make of it right. and that's the entire thing they've struggled with for the last kind of like 20 years and still struggle with like the next 10 years if they accomplish this in the next 10 years this is the main problem they have to get around is it's your it, it tricks your body but your body does not just get fully tricked and go oh sure your body just constantly is going like no i'm not into this this is not working for me yeah and that's a big problem yeah i i think of you know going back to genesis one and two you know uh, since you went to seminary, you took Hebrew, took Old Testament 1 and 2, you learned that Adam is the same word for earth or land, right? That man was created from the dust of yep. the earth, that God created, formed him from the dust. And they share the same name, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's a sense where humans, while different than the actual land, are connected. Mm -hmm. You know, we're... We are told in Genesis 1 to cultivate mm -hmm. the land, to, to expand... Um, God's image yeah. across his creation. But then in Genesis 2, he tells Adam, puts him in the garden to what keep and guard right, the land, right, to cultivate right. it and to grow yeah. it. I think the virtual world, while it is in a sense a digital space that you're mm -hmm. creating, mm -hmm. a place where you can move your body, but you're disconnected from space, location, yep. earth, mm -hmm. land. Uh, and, and, and I know like if you took... Um, uh, Dr. Moore for ethics, he makes you read Wendell Berry. Uh, so you discover there's a, a Christian out there writing on the importance of the world and the land yeah, and yeah. some stuff, someone from Kentucky. And uh, that has affected my thinking. Um, mm -hmm. And I wrote a, lot about a huge chapter in my dissertation on place and location mm -hmm. and why that's important. As we think about church planning and evangelism and ministry, place. Churches are a first southern is in a place. It, right. it, it ministers to the place that it surrounds, or that mm -hmm. it's in the middle of, mm -hmm. and it surrounds and the people that surround it. Our church here, we we interact with people in the community. Like 
there is an importance between people and communities and space and locations that they live in, mm-hmm. and you can't manipulate that. Like right. you, you, you can't create a virtual world where you feel like you're in um, some beautiful building, right? Mm-hmm. Sixteen, either it's one of the the chapels or churches in Rome or something like that. Like you may look like it, but it's not it, right. and you'll know that it's not it, right? right. There, you, there's certain smells and. Right. Certain things that maybe your eyes or your senses pick up. Yeah. Certain people that aren't in the place that wouldn't right. be in the place if right. you're actually in the place. And the, you just can't manipulate that mm-hmm. and you can't create an artificial, authentic, genuine uh, world or place that is, and you said that, that's like it or that is, that is, that'll, that'll be equal, um, equivalent of the real location or the mm-hmm. real place. And I find, I find, this type of reading and learning about this always kind of frightens me. I'm not excited about this technology all that much because someone who likes to be around real people and likes to be in real places, this seems like it's going to kill that, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, so I really struggle with like virtual reality. Too. Is this a good thing? Even like being someone who uh, thinking about some of the, the negative things that may come out of this, like husbands who are struggling with their wives, like, well, I'll just go to my virtual world That's right. and, and sleep with this yep. woman that I'm basically having an affair with, but in a digital world. Like, yes, and, I, and the ability then to tell yourself uh, that it's not, so, yeah, it's fine, it's and, fine. you it's know. Virtual, virtual, it's my made-up world. Sure, yeah. Is that that's a dangerous thing, yes. and I think especially as a college pastor and working with college students, yep. another world that people can escape into right. to escape from their problems, mm-hmm. which is a big problem today, and it's been a big problem for a while. It's just gonna make it worse, yep. you know. And I think um, I, I would think it's we sh- we almost should take some steps back and go, how do we? interact more with real people, how can mm-hmm. we interact more with real locations and mm-hmm. places. And I feel like we're on this trajectory at like a super speed mm-hmm. that we're never going to be able to go back mm-hmm. to that where we're like interested in interacting with the actual land and the actual place. So that is a great place then to transition to what is kind of a more general idea that is longer lasting, like virtual reality is confusing if you can't get at the psychological category that's behind it. And the psychological category is escapism. And escapism has been around for as long as humanity, and even to a degree, um, one element of escapism is fundamentally human because we are finite, we walk around in this world. Uh, What was that really deep thing I read? There's a Kierkegaard quote I read on Twitter yesterday that uh, life can only be perceived backwards looking backwards but it's completely lived moving forwards okay and that is so deep and powerful and true Mm -hmm. and that is a great kind of summary of why it's so hard to be a little human being in this world because we're walking around every day with everything that we do i mean i have i have two children i have a wife i'm a minister i would love it and my perception when i was a kid is like oh, don't worry, by the time you become an adult, you'll be really sure about how to do all these things well. Have you seen Frozen 2? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Olaf has that whole song, Yes, right? <laughs> right, yeah. This will all make sense when I'm older. That's right. And I, I think a lot older. of us have this. I won't this. be scared about this kind of stuff, yeah. Uh, and 
And, you know, you become an adult, and you're like, so we're all just kind of just doing our best. Wow. That makes it really scary to live in this world, to think that we're all just kind of going, well, you know, I think if I discipline you in this way, child, like, I'm trying, trying my best here. Uh, And... And, you know, that whole thing that you talk often with college students about how one day, one of these days your parents will become people. You'll see them and you'll be like, oh, my goodness gracious, you are just a person trying to make it. Yes. Just trying to do your best yes. with your limited abilities in this world. That's, that's awful. Yes. <laughs> I wish you were more than that. I wish I was more than that, but we're not. <laughs> right. um, and so, so escapism is the, one of the fundamental things that we have to do every day. We go, I am presently in this situation, but I have to accomplish all these things. And this is my best guess mm-hmm. at how to get a degree or get a spouse and then you make an attempt and that really isn't a, it is a form of it's risk really good, yeah. it's a form of yeah, escapism right. and and escapism itself though more strictly speaking is something that you know look the reason we love games whether it's sports or video games is because the world that we live in is super complicated one of the great things about a game is like forget all that mm-hmm. here's how here's what's going on there's only three rules i mean think about dodgeball Right. You stand over there, don't cross that line. You stand over there, here's balls. If you get hit, you're, you're out. out. Right. It's for a limited time, you'll get another chance, but you know what? Hey, let's simplify our world for a few minutes. And yeah, it's great. I know it, a part of your struggle right now, as somebody who loves sports, yeah. is sports are such a peak of, yes. all right, you have pushed yourself to really gain the abilities, but still, You've gained abilities to live within these parameters and these rules. And now you're going to absolutely give your all, but still within these parameters. And I get to watch peak human performance at baseball. Right. People just swinging bats and hitting and balls and trying to catch. Produced. That's right. You know, the, the future result is, well, we can make some good guesses. Yep. And some of our guesses could be pretty high depending on yep. the two teams playing or whatever conditions that we know about going mm-hmm. on, but it's still an unknown result. Yeah. And that in and of itself is it's kind of the importance of sports. And when you don't have that event where you're like, where, what, can I, what can I watch where I don't know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And it's real. Like it's written mm-hmm. real time. And, and it's happening in a real place. It's not produced right. by writers and right. cameramen and, and directors and actors. And it's so interesting that I think I, I'm watching this as, again, I'm thirsting and hungry mm-hmm. for sports. Um, I am watching, there's a Netflix show about Formula One racing. Mm-hmm. It's something that happened in the past, like it happened last year. But to me, like this happened in real time and space. These mm-hmm. drivers really mm-hmm. drove their car. I'm not sure if they won the race or not, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to go online and figure that out. Right. So I'm watching this, and it's yeah. been, this is a TV show. That's right. docu- it's like a documentary style, and I'm like intensely watching yeah. <laughs> this because it's like this, this is a sporting event, mm-hmm. and these are real people driving real cars, mm-hmm. and these cars, some of these cars are crashing, and some of them aren't crashing. They're going really fast, and there's a winner at the end of it, and there's losers, and I've got none of that going on in right. my life right, right now, so... Uh, it's interesting, like, where we are and, and what we're lacking on a regular basis that we're used to having, right. not having, and then what we're seeing kind of fueling or satisfying that, mm-hmm. that emptiness or what's going on. Um, and so um, I'm not sure if, we're, if I'm off topic here. Or if we no, got so, so what I see uh, going on with this then is that for me, 
everybody's got to figure out where escapism is going to fit in their life. Because there's one thing that's for certain to me right now, is if you don't figure out where it's going to fit, you are in danger of it overtaking your whole life. We're getting better at escapism. We're getting better at entertainment uh, and and personalized entertainment. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, if you don't have goals that are real-world goals, these pre-manufactured goals that they're putting into games and into virtual reality, and even, I mean, sports betting. There are so many things right now that are just served up to you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the discipline to control it, it will control you. And, And that is something that, for me, fits in to go, okay, then labor produces leisure. If I don't work hard, I shouldn't get to play hard. That I, that I need to have a balance in my life. Otherwise, my whole life is going to go off the rails because there is no limit to where these things will go. Yeah. And so the stakes are being raised. Um, it, it makes me more concerned for young people of every kind, for children, for teenagers, yeah. for college students, because we are vulnerable so much. Our, our hearts want infinite joy, but when they are served up, infinite you know, adventure through a VR headset, our hearts can be manipulated into going, you know, it's probably not exactly what I want, but it's attainable. I'll take it, yeah, I'll take it. I will settle. Yeah. And, and that is a danger. Yeah. And I, I think, even though I'm 36, and I've kind of grown up in this internet world with Facebook and YouTube and all this stuff that introduced to me at like the right age. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm just so tired of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I want more of real, less of fake. Yeah, sure. And I want to go to Rome and see the right. places. I want right. to drive right. a fast car. I don't want to play it on a video game. Yep. Uh, I want to go skiing. I don't want to play it on a video game. I think like, I don't. I don't want my kids to have the same kind of experience where they're like they're getting opportunities. And they're getting experiences that are real, mm-hmm. and they're not—they're not filling those because we need, we want experiences. We want to taste God's world and His creation, mm-hmm. and um, and letting them see the beauty of the real world. Mm-hmm. So they're not so inti- inclined to go. Well, my parents don't take me anywhere. I never meet anyone. I never right. gotten experience anything. So this is what I'm just going to have to take because yeah. that's all I'm get given. It's like, hopefully, parents. And it does. You don't have to like go to the ends of the earth to experience God's world. You don't have to go to Australia to see the ocean. You don't have right. to do this, this, and this. But I think maybe it's helpful for parents as they try to get their kids out of the home and out of the video games. Right. Is try to think of ways to take your kids to places mm-hmm. to go to real places. Right. Go to Williamsburg. Go to Jamestown. Go to Washington D.C. Yep. Let them experience real places and ask questions and know that there's a real world, there's a real history that they can kind of kind of fall in love with yep. and not kind of get it from video games and yep. things like that. So maybe that's my kind of lesson as a parent going forward with this, who's kind of like, how are we going to raise kids in this world? Yeah, and, and my hunch, um, it's almost like, you know, that there's often when we read about um, apologetics or how to talk to people about your faith, um, you have to assume that people have a conscience, that they have a sense that they are sinners. Like, if you're coming into a conversation going, like, I'm going to have to have a 10-point presentation 
about how you're a sinner. Like that's you know that's not. Yeah, it didn't get very far. And it's not a fun conversation. That's no, going to be like no. a two-hour conversation about like so you did. Tell me uh, about this really bad thing that you did and all the details of it. It's like, no, it's not, it's not going to go that way. You need yeah. to assume that they're a sinner because the Bible tells us we, we not only are in our sins, that we have guilt and shame because of our sins and that we operate out of that. And those are things that you can then assume. And here's the thing about this that is sort of good news in a way is that it's only good for what it can do. And what it can do is to, it can show you what the idea of a Roman Colosseum might be. Yeah. And you know what? It can, it, I mean, that's similar to what you would get in an encyclopedia entry. Right. But in the same way that an encyclopedia entry is not the actual place, it just points to the place. That's what right. this thing is. Right. And not only is that kind of just a proposition, I think that's a sense that you will get as a person who has very much enjoyed a lot of different video games in my life. The most heartening thing about how that basically what we have here is Everybody buckle up, because escapism is about to get even better. So you just need to know that before you start dipping your foot in that water, because it's going to be more addictive. If you're an addictive type of personality, right. well, you need to know about that before you start getting into this. Um, and, and for the church, we have to know how to walk with people through difficulties, through afflictions, through all of our various addictions, because these things are going to be unbelievably addictive and uh, everything from uh, a, a sense of adventure that you might have well there's going to be a game for that but look uh, there there were parts of this story that talked about uh, sex addiction and yes. and, and uh, attachments so that these can mimic sex look people have been going down the road of false sex for thousands of years right. and it leads to shame disappointment uh, disgust with yeah. yourself yeah. and it's like we are inventing new ways to do that but don't believe we are not over uh, don't believe we are overcoming all those hurdles and getting to a new form of sex we're just getting to another kind of false right. sex yeah, and another false you can manipulate the girl that you had a crush in it with in high school or college that you never dated never even yep. asked out you know, and then you can manipulate that in a virtual world. She still doesn't love you. That's right. She and you're going to know this, that. And you're going to know that in the back right. of your mind. And even if you have a face, fake sex encounter with this virtual world, it's not going to be fulfilling. Yep. And, um, and so I think that that will be the, the talking points. Right. And that will always be there. Yep. And, and I mean, just as with every, because um, here's the weird thing about that I mean it's a sin, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. that in particular, it is not a sin to have an adventure like roaming a world like Lord of the Rings and to fight with swords. That that is not. But still, certain acts of the heart are sins. It, Jesus came and revealed this. He said, "Look, you hate your brother. You murdered him in your heart, and that's a sin." Oh, and people might go, well, then is it the same? Well, I mean, that's another sin to actually physically murder him. No, we don't want to add another, but look, you've already sinned, and your heart will tell you that as well, and it will be shameful and disgusting. It, it, that's what sin is. Your heart knows what it is. The big question, though, is do you then kill or attempt to kill the part of yourself that's telling you, hey, this is a lie? Uh, because that, I mean, the whole book of Romans is you are 
hiding from the truth in, in the evil of your heart. And you know there's a truth out there. And, and that's the center of where we're at. And this is, this is where people live. I mean, one of the things that you and I both um, kind of were struck by is that you cannot look at a story like this and go, man, yeah, the future. Like, no, 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 this is already happening. Not just World of Warcraft, which we've mentioned, the Eastern version of this. Uh, there, there are people, and in, in Japanese they're called hikikimori, and there are a half a million to a million Japanese people who stay in a little apartment, who do not leave it, who have their food brought there, and have such social uh, anxiety coupled with a lack of uh, desire or understanding for why they should leave their house that they have already pretty much gone this route. And so we are there already. And, and by the way, um, dating sims, I think we might have mentioned this in the previous podcast, but dating sims are one of the top two biggest video games in Japan. So a simulator where you sit at a virtual table with someone and you have a virtual conversation. They're not a, it's not a real person, it's just a simulation uh, of you'll see an image that's usually typical of, of Japanese, very cartoony or manga style of mm. art and depending on how you interact, maybe the date goes well, maybe it doesn't, and a lot of people are already living in this world to go, I guess that's good enough for me. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's enough. I, yeah. I will not need yeah. any more than that. Which, well, I think we're going to talk about this next week, but, you know, some of the economic issues with this is that it's happening in Asia, especially with Japan and South South Korea, but it's happening a lot in you know, Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has affected the United States in, in some pockets of population growth. And if, if more men and women decide that they can have romantic, um, they can get their feel of romanticness through a virtual world, well, it's going to cause, again, population growth issues. And yep. uh, that's going to have a lot of major effects on the economics of countries and stuff. Yep. So there is a long-term effect on sure. what these things are not just simply people making personal individual decisions that yeah. have no effect on other people. Yep. It does have an effect on a community or a culture or a society. It just maybe takes a few years for that to yep. start showing itself. And so um, it'll be interesting 2050, 2075, when you see a lot of these countries, especially in the West and others who kind of have these virtual worlds and stuff, where that'll affect And what you just said points to an amazing thing that it turns out about human beings is that so the idea of a citizen is that, hey, you have gifts and abilities to bring to a society. So please find your gifts, express them. If you are an entrepreneur, then make some some stuff, open some businesses. If you are a service hearted person, please be a nurse, Uh, run a grocery store. Whatever it is that you were made to do, please do it because that is for the good of everyone that you find that and do that. And a lot of the great philosophers, I mean, I remember the day I ran into Aristotle's idea of manning your post. He had this idea thousands of years ago, 2,500 years ago, that everybody's got a post in this world that they ought to be manning. And this is a totally secular idea. I mean, the church 
takes this to the next level. We are members of a body, but even if you are not a believer, Aristotle has an idea that you have a post and please man it because if you don't, nobody else can. Right. And it is to the good of the entire group, the, yes. your entire society that you find your post because the definition of somebody who is living in their apartment, not getting out, is that they are not serving anyone else. Right. That is by nature. You're not producing. You, yeah. you are consuming only when we are supposed to be Again, labor produces leisure. We are, we are alternatively producing and consuming um, and, and in danger of flipping completely what, what we read about in the ancient world where people pretty much did nothing but work, especially depending on where you fell in your social class. I mean, reading about the Israelites in Egypt, just horrible labor making, making stones out of clay for right. pyramids and other buildings that probably still stand. Talk about a difference made in this world, even though they didn't choose it. That is, that is those, all of those buildings are artifacts right. of what a change can be made through labor. Right. And, and that's just an example of how labor matters. Yes. Your work in this world matters. And so yeah. it's a big deal. At the end of the day, um, my concern is the question you come to in real life is you find yourself. I mean, they, they, he talks about in here, or she talks about, uh, Monica Kim, that one of the big kind of practical takeaways about people is that um, love and a sense of belonging are just barely after basic needs like food and water and shelter. So much so that, yes, if someone can sit in a, in a world made up like World of Warcraft and be in it so deeply that they neglect food and water and die, well, then you see. I mean, it's just a very practical example that, yeah, your sense for love and belonging is so strong that you can forget about your other basic needs. Okay, but then the thing about belonging is you're going to find out who you are and what you're like and what you're about. But then you start this question, okay, are you okay with who you are? Mm -hmm. what, we're, what we're doing is we're connecting with each other and then we're also accentuating our ability to choose. What do I want to do with my time? Okay, that tells you something about you, but then do you accept who you are? Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if people are going to. I mean, that's, that's huge, and that question is so enormously important. Now, here is a, uh, here is a line in this, uh, in this article that I, I totally disagreed with, um, but I can see how you would arrive at this uh, conclusion. And, and we can move to kind of the next. All of these articles today sort of relate, and that's what's neat about it. It's like um, we're really trying to look at the positives of the future uh, with a yin and yang sort of thing. Next week, we, we want to look at sort of what are the concerns that we have with the future. Um, but these kinds of uh, statements are big concerns for me because we have to think clearly about what's happening. So... Um, toward the end of this article, she quotes um, another professor who says, the appeal of escapism is not so much that it helps us totally escape reality. Rather, it helps us realize that we could recreate and change our own reality. I think that is just patently false. Um, anybody who is familiar with escapism Look, one of the weird things that you end up doing in a game like World of Warcraft is um, there are things like crafting professions, right? 
So you're going to make your own bow. Here's the thing about making your own bow in World of Warcraft. It might take you like five minutes of going to the auction house or 20 minutes of finding where that wood might occur in the world. And then you click, 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 you get the wood. And then you click make the bow. And then 30 seconds later, you have the bow, right? There's nobody, nobody in existence who looks at that and kind of goes, ah, what I've just done is encourage myself to go make bows in real life. No, no, you didn't, okay? <laughs> no, everybody knows that what you did is you want to go out and fight monsters, and this is just a little side mission right. in, the, in the course of doing what you do in the game. Making bows and arrows is really complicated and hard and skillful, right. and some people ought to be doing it. It does not at all convince you. You're not, you're not making a bow in World of Warcraft and going, ah, yes, this has convinced me that now I could go out and make a real bow. Everybody knows it's a whole different thing. Right. Uh, escapism is a fundamental element of who we are. We know that there are things we could go out there and do. It's just that, listen, this is, this is actually, I think, a very Christian idea. It is very Christian to go, wow, there's an enormous range of skills, and I don't have all of them. I mean, that's basic humility. Humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. It's recognizing what skills you have right. and what skills you really don't have. Right. For me, am I really good with my hands? No, I'm not. So I'm not fundamentally the kind of guy who wants to do woodworking. My grandpa did it. He was great at it. Yeah. There's a part of me that wants to dabble in it for the enjoyment, not right. because I think I'd be phenomenal at it, sure. which is another thing. I mean, there's G.K. Chesterton coming into my mind right now. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly, which is hilarious. Because if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, but it's also worth doing badly because it's worth doing. Right. So do it. Do it yeah. And and. You, you are not going to be good at everything, and you need right. to accept that too. Right. Um, so that is laughable to me to think. This, this again, that, that quote is, is from somebody who is not really up on what you're doing when you live in a virtual world. Yeah. You're, not, you're not slaying a dragon and then going, yeah, I have thought, probably a real dragon. I could probably kind of sort out how to slay him. And so now that I have done it with, you know, a big sword... I probably got a pretty good idea of how to go about that in real life. No, you know it's a different, a whole different sort of thing. Yeah. It, it, you know, I'm not going to go out and even kill a crocodile yeah. now that I did that in, in World of Warcraft, okay? Yeah. It's whole, totally different. Yeah. And yeah, so, like um, if, I, if I ever played Madden whatever year and, and like, you know, played the computer and, you know, won the game, like, you know what? I want to be a football player. Right, yeah, no. <laughs> I just like, that was fun. Yep. I'm gonna go off and do something else That's now. Right. My time, yeah. Never kind of uh, video virtual. I don't know if it's a maybe. This is what you're getting at. It's not a center of inspiration. No, it's just no. It's just hey, I'm, well, I'm gonna opposite of inspiration. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you're you know. escaping into a world where you don't have to be inspired. Yeah, and, and you know, in in a lot of ways, I think what a video game does is it kind of isolates a certain kind of mental activity. Um, I play a game called StarCraft, which is a strategy game. And I, I think that strategic thinking is something that I can do. And so it's a wonderful way to exercise just a certain simplified form of strategic thinking. It's a lot like chess. A lot of people compare this game to chess. Yeah. Okay, good. Then you do that for a while. It might sharpen a certain element of strategic thinking. Yeah. And you know what? You're getting kind of a twofer. You're getting a double duty here. You're enjoying yourself, 
and you may or may not be sharpening. Your brain's doing something. You know what? And, and that's, that's pretty much what escapism is for, as far as I can tell, in, in our lives. And so more power to you. Do it. Yeah. Don't make it your own life. It's, not, it's clearly not your own life. But yeah, yeah do it yeah. To, to, the, to degrees that seem healthy uh, for you. I'm definitely not the market for these things. It's, it's interesting kind of like what... Yeah, this whole this whole world doesn't interest me at all. Like I'm not even like. It's, I think it's just maybe uh, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't. It's not something that. Oh, I cannot wait for this to happen. You know. And yeah. It's almost like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I um, and I I am heartened even by that um, because I really think that no matter what in uh, in 2030, I think that there will be more people who are lost in this world. And I think very much there'll be plenty of people who just go, oh, heard about that, no interest. Yeah, no. And I think that's totally, not only right. fine, I think it's healthy. Um, one scary thing I can say is that we, you and I, I'm sure, given that we both work with college students and are dealing a lot with uh, kind of the culture of the millennial, millennials and on down, they talk about the mosaic generation, how everybody's in tribes. Tribalism only looks to be increasing uh, because of things like this, that things that are accentuating differences in individuals. And this is, I think, another one that is just going to be like, are you the kind of person who likes to completely get out into a different world? Or are you the kind of person who finds hills that have not seen any human eyes for 500 years. Is that the kind of things that excites you? And I know both kinds of people, mm -hmm. and I'm convinced both kinds of people will be around in 10 years, in 20 years, yes. in 50, in 100. And it's just the question of how are we all going to keep interacting with each other, given that we seem to be really accentuating our differences? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, there are some, I, I don't know if we want to talk about the habits of kindness that will endure uh, through this kind of coronavirus pandemic, but you know, reading that article in the Wall Street is an article in the Wall Street Journal that I sent to you, mm -hmm. and you know, I've been thinking through that. I think, I think this particular situation we're in right now is causing people to think about their impact with other people and how we're all in the same situation. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Um, you're cooped up in your house. Mm -hmm. Your house could be massive or your house could be small. Like mm -hmm. it, you're cooped up in it and it's affecting you negatively. Yeah. Um, and so you're thinking about other people uh, maybe before you probably... As always, the idea is that people don't... don't it's always... It's not that people hate one another. It's right. that they just don't think about another yep. person. They're yep. indifferent. Yep. Right? Indifference yep. is, always the, is always the word that's probably better to um, explain what's going on with people who maybe have issues with one another. Mm -hmm. It's not that there's hate, it's just I don't think about them. Right. They're not people that I think about or, or consider or wonder if they need help. Right. But I think now maybe that's affecting people. It's like, I wonder how I can help my neighbor. I wonder right. if they're, are they able to get outside? Are they right. able to, to go get things that they need? Are they, are they stuck? Um, those who are in nursing homes, like who can't leave their rooms, how are they doing? How are they, how are they coping with all this? Um, how are they interacting with people? I think that's given people a sense of like awareness of people's pain and suffering that maybe before all this we just totally ignored. Yeah. So I, our lives have been <clears throat> simplified in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I 
I thought this article was pretty sunny as far as, you know, it turns out a lot of people care about each other. And here's the thing. So far, for most of the people that I'm in contact with, this has been inconvenient. I don't know anybody who hasn't, you know, been able to eat. Um, uh, Even, we're all kind of one... It's like a spider web of weird things that are happening all at once right now. And I think one of the weird things that's hard to gauge is like, okay, apparently it looks like the government is just poised to go, well, we told you to stay in your home, so we're just going to pay for it now. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know how that's all going to shake out in the sense that, uh, one, I, I'm convinced like people are not going to get how people that are on unemployment, they're, they're trying to do uh, <clears throat> as much benefit as they can. And that's great. Um, but my, my point really is that I would look at this and go, this is kind of one of the worst sorts of um, non-humanitarian situations in that people are scared to interact with each other, which means, look, I don't exactly know who has it, how it might be transmitted, so I'm just going to stay away from each other. Now, there are heroic people who are stepping up. I mean, uh, I am fully on board with everything that I'm seeing on social media about how this is a time to celebrate doctors, nurses, every healthcare professional, in addition to mm-hmm. grocery store clerks and people who are providing the basic needs. Yes, th- these people serve every day. Uh, I, I, I went to the grocery store on Saturday just to get a couple of things. I have not appreciated a checker. You know, I generally I look and I kind of go, you know, I want to treat this person like they're a machine there. This is a person who has a kind of a not great job. They have to stand and run items over a scanner. Um, <clears throat> by the way, and they're doing that two rows down from a machine that is just right. scanning. Right. Um, right. It's pretty hard to just take pride in your job when they're kind of like showing you like, hey, by the way, we're trying to phase you out. I hope you're okay with that. Um, <clears throat> but they're folks who's, who what they're bringing is humanity to a job that is looking you square in the face saying, hey, do you guys really want humanity here? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I appreciate every level of, of person who is pretty much having to work during this time so that if you are defined as essential, then, then listen, thank you for what you do. Um, <clears throat> in the meantime, <clears throat> there are people who are hearing things and stepping up in my opinion, those are the kind of people who would have stepped up anyway. Right. Um, I, I think there are always people who are waiting for some chips to be down. And, man, to those people I say, yeah, let's, let's get about it. There's a lot going wrong in this world. Let's, let's try to help <clears throat> serve in our giftedness, do what we can do. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think overall that this crisis is really bringing out the best in people because there are such weird concerns they keep you back mm. so that if you're a cautious person, then you're going to be more cautious right, right now. Right. And if you're not cautious, you're not cautious right now. That's right. Right. It's not creating any of, you know, I've been doing some things wrong lately in my past, and this has caused me to think and reflect. Right. So, therefore, I don't think that's a lot of that's going right. on. Yeah. Right. You know, I think a takeaway is, for all of us, we have been given this period, which life is kind of slower in a lot of ways. Very much so. Yeah. So let's just 
as to walk a little slower through our daily routines, take a look around at mm -hmm. what's happening around us, mm -hmm. maybe shake some bushes and, and see, you know, who is that? Who is that child that your neighbor has that, you know, that you see them? Is that a grandchild that, you know, like ask the questions mm -hmm. and take the time that you have, haven't been taking because you've been given it. I mean, yeah. we have all really, I, I kind of still can't believe it as I walk around in my life and I'm just like, so none of us are doing mostly the things that we usually do. Mm -hmm. That's really strange. Mm -hmm. So then I don't know how long it's going to take us uh, to develop a new sort of routine, but I hope, <laughs> speaking of escapism, I hope that we don't look back in five years on this time and go, oh, yeah, I watched more Netflix than I ever have in my life. Right. Um, that, right. that your memory of it isn't, wow, yeah, you know, I used to only play video games for 10 hours a day, but, man, I pushed it to 16 hours a day during that period. Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I hope for myself as well as for everyone else that we don't only amplify that kind of one part of our hearts, which is, hey, time to put my feet up and chill out, yeah. you know. Uh, that won't read well in the history book, will it? Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When you read like World War II, oh, well, when women went to work in the factories and built, you know, bullets and guns and airplanes so that we could be the Germans in the war. What did y'all do then? The we watched a lot of television. Right. I mean, that just doesn't read well. Right. You know, in it's in a history book at all. And and you know, realize uh, anytime I read about um, a really difficult event in history, uh, I can't remember when this happened, but it it, it hit me at some point. You know, reading about. Uh, World War II, or that for, for, there were plenty of people that what they did, I mean, here in Evansville, a lot of people went to work in factories for the first time right. ever, and what they did during that wartime effort is they screwed bolts, right. you know, they just ran a, a bolt driver yeah. for 10 hours a day, yeah. And then they went home and fell into a bed, and they got up and did it again the next morning. And that was their that that whole Everybody six went year to war. right, yeah. it, and that whole six year experience. It was not as glamorous. No. So that that basically, just do keep our eyes peeled. Best thing we can do right now. Nobody knows what they're doing right now. No. But we can just best thing we can do is keep our eyes peeled for opportunities, and then do what we can do, and then keep asking questions, mm -hmm. um, because nobody exactly knows. But you don't want to look back and go, you know, I did hear that people were really struggling with loneliness. And don't look back and go, you know, yeah, I looked, I remember seeing some of my neighbors. They looked pretty sad, but ah, I went back inside and, you know, it's when I was my yeah. day. I <laughs> like, that, I've been through that season. You know, right. I had some real work to do. Right. As a person who kind of hates social awkwardness, I know what it is to hate that. But listen, don't keep, let that keep you from going ahead with it. Laugh at yourself if it goes wrong. So as a person who is fearful of, uh, to, to whatever degree of, social awkwardness and those sorts of things. Grin and bear it, laugh at yourself. It, it, it'll be all right. It's worth it. Uh, it is worth it. It, yeah. it. it is worth the awkwardness. And, and the other thing, I, th I think one thing being in evangelical churches has given you this sort of weird kind of idea that it's like, look, if, if you go in and it doesn't go well, man, that's the time to just double down and do something really off the wall. No, that's not. You know what? Give it a shot. Do your best. God's not expecting ever any more than your best. And if it doesn't go the way that, you know, you, you thought it might, it's okay. Just walk away.
Try. It's okay. Try again. Say good talking to you. And, yeah. you, and you did it. Yeah. Uh, so many of us, like the story has to be so spectacular when most of social interaction is just small building, yes. little bits of connection. Right. And that's what you want. Like yes. that's generally the story. A lot of the stuff we've been sold over the years in terms of a big story that you hear at a conference or something about how I'd never seen this guy before. I mean, I've heard these. I remember uh, Rick Warren has a story about how when he went out to Orange County for the first time, he met his realtor, and his realtor was literally the first member of Saddleback Church because he was like, listen, why don't you join the church? And the guy was like, I don't really think that I'm a church sort of guy. And somehow he convinced him that he was. I mean, in these sorts of things that you hear, and you're kind of like, really? Wow, I guess, you know, that's a, if I'm doing this right. No, no, you know, that's, not, that's not the general way. Most of the time, it's just a kind of mediocre, mixed sort of connection that then eventually gets built, and that's just fine. Yeah. Do what we can do in these times. Um, so do we want to talk about both these things or just one of these things? Do you want to talk about biotech or... So let's, so let's do this. Um, I think that most of what this article uh, called the Biotech Century Ahead did is that we have two really big revolutions that yes. we, uh, depending on your age, that you've lived through in the last 120 years, roughly, um, and that we are on the verge, they say. And I, I certainly, everything, I don't know a lot about genetics, but I can, uh, everything I've heard tells me, yeah, we are on the verge of something new happening there. Yeah, yeah, sure. And to think about all that we have experienced in the first two gives you such a platform to go, whoa. Um, and so the yes. first one is what they call the physics revolution, uh, led by Einstein, who, I, you know, look, until I read this article, I was like, oh, so there's some, like, practical applications of E equals MC squared. Turns out his theories are very useful in terms of mechanics that this has yeah. led to, things like uh, atomic power right. and the atomic bomb right. uh, and, and uh, applications that are very useful yeah. uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so, so you have that and then the information revolution that, that we've lived through in our lifetime, yeah. basically. Computers, Computers internet. Anything digital right. basically comes from, what, basically the... 50s, post-50s, 60s, is that kind of where this all, yeah, so. And kind of the revolution is that basically they went, oh, so any sort of information can be boiled down to zeros and ones and then can be coded so that it could then. Yeah, for super chips and things. I mean, what's so interesting is that was kind of when the NASA program started and they're trying to find out ways, how can they build a computer that can guide a spacecraft to the moon right. and back. How do you communicate <clears throat> right. with something that is on the moon? Like right. all these different, like these big questions were being answered about space and mm-hmm. traveling to, to different to the moon and, and traveling in space were answered kind of through these digital technologies right. and, and computers and things like that. That can that and one I I really enjoyed that movie. Um, is it Hidden Figures about the women that were involved in the NASA program mm-hmm. and. They had the IBM computer, and because they needed something that could, that can calculate mm-hmm. massive equations and numbers that they needed to be able to build and 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 kind of create trajectories on how to get mm-hmm. back, you know, from a, right. space, a, a craft that's in orbit to then get through at a, a atmosphere to right. 
land safely and all these different questions that they had to answer and they had computers to help them answer right. these questions and so that led to kind of where we are today so right. what is gonna the, the next revolution of biotech and genes right. and solving maybe a lot of diseases and other medical issues that are still impacting us today that have impacted the human race for the last hundred years and such and so that'll be an interesting uh you know, will, will parents be able to pick what eye color they want their kids to have? And that that kind of sounds kind of crazy with, like, creating catalog kids. Right. Yeah. So the, the takeaway that ought to excite and scare you is, so, so think about how much it has helped our world to have something like nuclear power. Or, I mean, the only reason that we have computer technologies because they used physics to determine that you can run electric current through switches and that that will enable a computer to do all these mathematical calculations that you're talking about, mm -hmm. which enables us to do all things like getting to the moon. Yeah. Um, so you have positives like that. Uh, atomic bomb, pretty big negative, especially if you get hit by one. Uh, Everybody has to agree, incredibly dangerous for our world, has changed geopolitics. Oh, uh, yeah. You have a bomb, you're a player. <clears throat> that's right. Geopolitical world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's shocking to think. Why Iran wants the bomb and North Korea wants that's the bomb right. so, so much because they know it changes the equation yep. when they have a bomb. It creates a buffer because yep. uh, everyone's afraid of someone using it against someone else. And, and so, yeah. And so you have just a little story right there to go, hey, there's positives and negatives to new technology. Um, the funny one... Isn't uh, that why and I've been to, and I lived in Sweden, so which is the land of Nobel, and went to the museum. But Nobel, from what I remember, because he was creator of Dynamite, mm -hmm. and out of guilt. Yeah. Because people use his technology for bombs. Right. Uh, out of guilt, he created Nobel his will, the Nobel Prizes. Yes. Out of guilt yes and um you know technology has some short-term benefits right mm -hmm. that's why the person's creating them and probably nobel's creating dynamite to be able to use for engineering program projects and things like to build dams and, yep. and other things to help uh society and cultures but the how people will take something like that to kill other people in war or whatever is kind of the something sometimes uh, inventors remember doesn't know the future result of something that they're creating right and uh, so anyways yeah yeah so we and with a revolution like this there's going to be positives right but there's going to be some negative consequences that the people who created it or were a part of it never saw coming right I mean uh, something that they they talk about in here you know hopefully to uh, to cure sickle cell anemia uh, blindness but then you are left immediately with the question, okay, if we're going to take somebody from being blind to being able to see, do we want to give them 20-20 vision? Mm -hmm. Well, but if we're capable of giving them even better than 20-20 vision, sure. okay, but what about their kids? Should we just go ahead and make sure that their kids? What are we trying to fix? Because it gets down to what your definition is of what is a healthy human being, what is a thriving human being, mm -hmm. and to what degree should we alter yes. present and future human beings to thrive? Should they be bigger, 
better, faster, stronger, smarter. And, and if, if you have the money to do this, what about those who don't have the sure, money to do this? Yeah. So it creates another inequality of opportunity, inequality yeah. of I didn't have the ability, my parents didn't have the money to be able to make me bigger, faster, stronger, but this particular family was able to make their child bigger. Yep. With anything like this, there's always profit to be made. Yep. They don't do this stuff for free. Right. You know, they don't like, well, we can give this, you can have your child can be bigger, faster, but, and we'll do it for free. No, yep. no, 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 no. Right. You know, there's a company that provides this, this service, mm -hmm. and they have a catalog, and there's going to be a pricing for, right. you know, you can, you can increase your, your kid's speed by 5%. It's going to cost you this amount of money. That's right. You know, so um, that's, that's, it's always been that way. That's how the world has always been kind of post-fall, mm -hmm. you know, people taking advantage of situations to make more money. I mean, right. greed is a part of the sinful nature. And so that creates its new problems of more inequality, more uh, where depending on where you grew up or where you were born gives you the yep. access to genetic you know, yep. improvements. Yeah, and, and since so. we're in positive week, this in this one is fairly straightforward in terms of what can you say positively. Well, we want to solve, we want to cure yeah, diseases. Absolutely. We yeah. want to, yeah. uh, we want to help yeah. people uh, who have afflictions, who have back pain, and oh, yeah. uh, it, we want to do that. Yeah, and to to the degree that we can leverage uh, genetics and understand the human genome, uh, well, we we want to fix what is broken right. and and beyond that is where the big questions start yeah, and so right. we'll f see how far down that road yeah. we get the next week but we can end then with uh, so what car. what is yes. something that is exciting for you right well, I, I don't you know i think there's 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 some positive and negative i think all of these positive technologies also have a negative mm -hmm aspect as well. Positively, if you could, if a car was self-driving and you literally could, say you're going on a trip, mm -hmm. going to see your your family. How mm -hmm. far are they from They're an hour and a half from here. An hour and a half. You're like, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Yep. I can lay down, mm -hmm. take a nap, wake up, be completely refreshed when I get there. Mm -hmm. Right? Not the opposite of, typically when you drive an hour and a half, two hours, yeah, it's not overly taxing. Right. But you also don't feel refreshed I mean, it is a <laughs> fairly legendary American story to drive somewhere beyond 10 minutes with your children and how yeah. it's pretty terrible. <laughs> I mean, new technologies like DVD players and vans and things, while being nice, uh, create, there are other problems. Like oh, yeah. You go to the grocery store, hey, let's watch a movie. It's like, we're going five right. minutes to the grocery store. You don't need And to listen, watch I'm not about this. Not, oh, yeah. not necessarily because... We don't have because... it in our car, but, you know, we've been in cars that haven't. I get annoyed. I mean, have you ever been driving and your child is watching a movie directly behind your head? And so basically what you're hearing the whole time is like, into the unknown. You know, you're yeah, just like right. so loud. Right. This is right in my ear. And meanwhile, right. I'm a person who's easily distracted. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, I'm supposed to be paying attention. Um, but and this child behind me is making it impossible. Yes. And the movie. So I'm not, I just find them annoying. It's, they're... <laughs> leave off for the moment all these questions about how much entertainment do our kids need in different times. Look, I just have a fundamental annoyance about yeah. uh, DVD players in cars. Um, and so in a lot of ways, what this kind of does 
is it would make it would make your car kind of more like a moving room of your house. Right. That whatever you do, you'll probably just do it in the moving car. Right. So then we get present a little bit more. So Mercedes and Volvo, I've been messing around with basically cars that almost can adapt to what you want it to do. So if you want a, a very comfortable, almost bed-like mm-hmm. environment, yeah. you can create that environment. You know, probably I'm going to guess the way that the cabin is designed, it can be completely dark. Mm-hmm. It can create almost like almost an ideal sleeping atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And if you've, I've never actually been in an electric car, but I've watched a lot of videos on them. They're very quiet, right? Mm-hmm. They make very, if any noise. Um, and... And you know if you can create a, a vehicle that whose chassis is is gonna absorb bumps and and, th- and, yeah. and things like that, then uh, you may not even feel some of these bumps that you would probably not want to feel while trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but even even going beyond sleeping, if you have a self driving car, you could in a sense start work right when you entered your car. So, yeah, sure. for example, if you if you had a commute and you're in a big city, you have to commute an hour to work, you can start working the, the moment you step into the car, yeah. right? The way that it's self-driving, it has it has um, displays on different ports that you can basically start having a meeting or working on whatever you do on your typical, you know, desktop computer, whatever you're using, you can just start using that immediately. And so work doesn't actually start... When you get to work, it starts when you enter into the car. And so these are all different ways that people are thinking about how can we make the car experience even where you can take a nap or you can start work or it can be an entertainment center. It can be all these things you want it to be. You can bring home with you in the car. The reason why it's an interesting world, I think the possibilities is kind of exciting. The problem with it is self-driving takes away the driving aspect of mm-hmm. driving. So, I don't know about you, but I enjoy driving. Um, I have a Subaru, and I enjoy my car a lot. And uh, I enjoy driving my car. And even if I drive five minutes, I enjoy driving it. The thought of something of a robot or a computer driving for me doesn't really right. excite me all that much because it's like, well, what am I doing? Yep. Well, you're just sitting there doing right. what? Uh, whatever you want to do, sleep. Right. But I want to drive. I'm in the car. Right. So, so. like driving around town, I do enjoy. Uh, I have a truck, and it's just it's it's fun to just drive. Well, if, I, if I'm going ten, you know, minutes yeah. now, long trips, oh, I would love to not have okay. to drive. Okay. Um, I get annoyed by you know. Uh, I'm happy. Basically, for me, uh, and this really is a pretty sunny way to end this whole discussion because sure. really. A car with an option of self-driving, which is mostly what you're looking at, yeah. it's like, well, that's a win. That's a win. There's yeah. going to be some application yeah, of sure. that. It's completely within your ability sure. to choose when you're going to do it. Right. And, and even right now, if I could have added to my truck this um, package that they have where it's like, you know, look, if it can tell that I'm not, like, paying attention or if I've kind of weaved off of my lane on the interstate, then it'll just kind of go ahead and put me back on. I would, I would sign up for that because that's why not, you know, um, again, because a lot of times with that, you can push a button and turn it off. If you get tired of it, you don't want that. Okay, fine. Um, so the applications of this seem really good. Uh, 
I, I certainly think that this is another thing that in 10 years, yeah, all cars will probably have this, and there will still be some people who are just like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. I yeah, want to drive so everywhere. Like 65 Charger. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, noise. if you know any of those hear. people, they're not driving these things yeah. because they're practical, okay? Right, this right. is. <laughs> they want a car that takes up a lot of gas and is not very practical when it comes to money or anything else. Yep. But the, it's, the issue is self-driving. What else, what else in our, and maybe you can help me here, where else in our lives do we basically take our hands off of a moving vehicle and say, all right, I trust whatever you're doing, yeah. that you're not going to kill me. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I guess, roller coasters. But we kind of have, you know, there's a certain trust in the guy mm -hmm. maybe operating the thing. Sure. I don't know. But uh, the thought of getting in a vehicle going 100 miles, maybe 90 <laughs> miles per hour on, a, in a, on, a, on an expressway or something yeah. like that and go, I'm just going to take a nap for a while. Right. And just whatever happens, happens. Like, that's going to take some use getting used to yeah. that. So, yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, that is a kind of a bright way to end because if we could drive to Grandma's house when not and being able to take a nap, that seems like a win. Right. So, um, so a lot of uh, future to this particular episode of Empires of the Future, and uh, we uh, it was good to see you, Jackson. You too. It's always good to see people, especially during this particular <laughs> absolutely particular time. So um, again, you can uh, get all these episodes. We actually posted one last week on one we did a few uh, maybe a month or so ago about baseball and some other issues. So you can find these episodes on Podbean, on Apple um, Podcasts. You can find it at our website at Redeemer Fellowship Church. You can find it on our app and also on Jackson's YouTube channel as right. well. Yep. Um, and uh, we're working on trying to get it on First Southern's website so yep. you can catch it there as well. So um, a lot of different places that you can uh, listen and uh Share it with your friends if you like what you're listening to, and we'll see you next week. Absolutely.